The Greenwood and Mulliner Show is proudly sponsored by Casa San Lorenzo Gosforth, the best Italian cuisine in the Northeast. Reserve a table today on 0191213 or visit casasanlorenzo.co.uk. Newcastle Fans TV. Hello and welcome back to the Green and Mullen Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. Myself and Sam are back with a guest who we've had on before, but it's for a very, very good reason because it is transfer crazy here in the best part of the Northeast, Newcastle United. Uh, Sam, tell us about why Andrew Musgrove was the man that we needed in regards to this, please. A friend of the show, friend of the channel, and I've been on his podcast lately, so it's about time he returned the favour. As you're probably well aware, everything is black and white podcast is the Chronicles Newcastle United podcast, which Andrew does a very good job hosting. Um, So it makes perfect sense to get him back on. Um, And it was was a really good show, actually. It was a lot of, um, it was was good crack, wasn't it? Yeah, really good crack. Andrew's very good value. Uh, in regards to all things Newcastle United, and he, I think he gives a different insight. If if we were ever to bring an extra person to this party in regards to the Greenwood and Muller and someone, I think Musgrove would be a good. Pretty pretty sure he's he's fine taking the bunts from Reach PLC every month. To be honest, no, I'm sure he is, but I just think he he gives a different insight. Actually, there was a couple of times on this podcast we've just finished recording it. In which I was like, actually, I didn't think of it like that. Mm. It was really, really interesting today. But it's it's obviously an exciting time. And transfers, I think there's a transfer nearly every two seconds in terms of a rumour. We had Bruno going to Real Madrid at some point this, after, uh, this afternoon as we record. Oh, <laughs> and now we're discussing... Don't swear enough on this channel, <laughs> on this podcast. I mean, we, we did the thing to put explicit content up, but it's very rare we slip a swear in there, but that, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I fully back my choice of words when it comes to Bruno leaving, so uh, yeah, no, that can go and do one. That's just not going to happen, but it's 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 one of these things during a transfer window, isn't it? It's the snowball effect for what happens at another club can affect another, and I don't think there's anything in it, to be honest. I think it's more to do now with our focus on uh, a winger and a striker. And that, which was a good debate actually between yourself and Andrew at the time in regards to what's a little bit more important right now. Is it that striker or is it that winger? Which I think will be the debate for the next couple of weeks as the transfer window well, continues, shall we say. It's, be, it's becoming a drama, <laughs> a drama series in itself at the transfer window. But in regards to Newcastle United on the pitch, Sam, we talk about the good start that Newcastle have had with that win against Nottingham Florist. Uh, <laughs> Brighton and Albion as well, um, where we got a good point away from home. But it is very, very busy for Newcastle. You know, and Andrew talks about the fact that we have got a cup game against Tramia, which is very, very important, and potentially some changes could be made. I think what will be interesting, Sam, which we didn't mention on the podcast, is who's actually not going to be involved in that cup game because that might, yeah, in regards to who might be leaving the club. And and now as well, like remember normal season's gone by, you'd have like two games and then it'd be an international break. Well, all of a sudden now you've got two games and then you've got four games in quick succession. So it's not, there's no pointless international friendly against Nigeria. It's it's straight into to league and cup business and, and the fixtures are thick and fast. 
there's there's no um, there's no res- uh, respite, is there? So it, it's an important period already. Um, despite being so early on in the season, it's it's an important part of the season because you want to get a good cup run under your belt. Yeah, we talk Chelsea quartet in terms of the players that have been linked with Newcastle. Conor Gallagher gets a mention. Callum hudson Adoy gets a mention as well. Christian Pulisic, Amanda Brogia gets a mention. So it's 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 fascinating, really, really is. If you if you're really interested in the uh, the transfer window, then this is certainly one that you, you shouldn't miss, and you really will enjoy listening to this podcast. Again, a big thanks to our sponsor, Casa San Lorenzo, which you would have heard at the very beginning. And it's it's brilliant to get a, pod, a, a sponsorship for this podcast, Sam, which we're mm. all very, very grateful for until for the next few months as well, which is brilliant. It is brilliant. And I'll tell you what else is brilliant. The food at Casa San Lorenzo, superlative. And I'll tell you what else is brilliant. The dulcet tones of Mr. Matthew Livingston. Reading out a sponsor, yes, please. BBC's finest. So, um, yeah, it's 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 all good, isn't it? It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. My mum and dad actually used their wedding anniversary uh, yesterday, as we record. It was their thirty-first wedding anniversary, and they went to Casa San Lorenzo. Believe it or not, my dad had uh, spag ball, my mum had the salmon. So there you go. Did she really? She did. She loved it. My dad loved the, sp- the spag ball, but he's very easy. He, he loves his food. To be fair, but my mum very picky, and she was very very. Uh, Please with a salmon as well. So make sure you go down Gossip High Street for Casa San Lorenzo. Um, I'm going to do something a little bit different before we finish, Sam. I'm going to give you a couple of quick fire questions. Okay. And I just want either a yes or a no. Simple okay. as that. Okay. Will Newcastle beat Tramia tomorrow night as we get this out? Yes. Will Newcastle United sign a striker from Chelsea? No. Will Newcastle United bring a winger in from Chelsea? No. And finally, will Lucas Paqueta be a Newcastle United player? No. <sighs> Tell Sam he's wrong in the reviews because that'd be really, really interesting to see. Well, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm back on. Um, I'm I'm back on uh, another major TV network discussing such things next week. So if you saw my first appearance on uh, said. Um, sports network in the sky then um you, you would know what i think already but um i did get lots of comments about my hair so i have a haircut today i don't even tell no because this is a this is a podcast you can't see people i was talking directly to you though who can see me fucking hell um <laughs> explicit content anyway yeah. we'll wrap things up because uh, I really want to see Newcastle take on Tram and we need to do a preview for that very, very shortly as well. So this is the Green and Mullins show. It is transfer crazy. So make sure you strap yourself in and listen to this fantastic Green and Mullins show. And it is with Andrew Musgrove. Well, that's taking too long to cut. It's not just fucking... I'm keeping keeping the Greenwood and Mulliner show on Newcastle Fans TV. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Greenwood and Mulliner show here on Newcastle Fans TV. Today, me and Sam are joined by the Evening Chronicles, Andrew Musgrove, to give us all the information on a busy, busy summer here on Newcastle United. I'm Jonathan Green. We've got Sam, as we've mentioned. But, Andrew, it's a big welcome to yourself, Andrew. It's been an incredibly busy summer already. 
have you had any chance to relax like by going like by going to flower shows or anything like that <laughs> very, very pretty you warned us off camera you were going to get this little dig in i didn't expect it to be within 37 seconds so um, neither did i no quick off the mark is johnny isn't he what can i say um <laughs> But yes, in terms of um, in terms of the summer, it's, it's been refreshing to be able to report on Newcastle United actually actively looking to strengthen the club. At this point, usually it's you know you get one maybe decent enough player through the door, and then it's we'll have to move players on. We'll only be signing loan players if we can be bothered to pay the fee. Whereas under this new ownership, who aren't that new anymore, you know, they're actively going out and trying to strengthen, which is, it's just refreshing from a reporter point of view, from a fan point of view, that you've got, you know, people in charge that want to build this club to to what it can be and should be. I mean, you've been doing daily, everything is black and white podcasts, daily. So, I mean, I'm sure one day you did two as well. So, I mean, it, it's a bit different from times gone by where you, you're struggling and, you know, you might do a deadline day one. You might do a, oh, how frustrated we all are one. Uh, you might do a, when's Hamza Chaudhry come in one. But now it's, it's it's genuinely interesting every day, isn't it? And all right, there seems to be a bit of frustration maybe creeping in with, with the lack of uh, a new incoming in, in the final third department. But you would like to think that will get rectified in the next two weeks. It has to. I mean, there's no like to it. It has to get rectified and... You know, I don't think the frustration is at the door of the owners. It's, you know, that when Eddie Howe has spoken or alluded to frustration, it's certainly not at the owners of Newcastle United. It's just at the market as a whole. It's a, it's a minefield, isn't it? And we'll get on to Joe Pedro, you know, in a, in a bit more detail later in the show, I suspect. But when you look at how much Newcastle are likely to pay for him, you know, you're going to be looking 25, 30 million with everything included. That, for me, is a definition of how messed up this market is. No doubt in the lad's got talent, but Premier League pedigree, he's not yet there. And it seems to me just utterly bizarre that we're talking about players like him, like a tech year, where they're going to be costing 25, 30 million. And I think that just shows you, you know, just how difficult it is for a club like Newcastle to go out and try and buy a striker. We know they're the most expensive player anyway in the market. You then have this Newcastle United tax that everyone talks about. And, you know, it's just it's just a very, very strange market at the moment. Everything seems a little bit inflated. There are bargains still to be had, I'm sure. Um, you know, you look at Nick Pope, for example. I mean, that is a brilliant sign. That could be, for me, the summer or uh, the signing of the summer across the whole league because in England National, for 10 to 12 million Premier League experience and a good quality goalkeeper, it, I, I don't even know what more you can say about that deal. But in terms of a striker... It's just it's just utterly baffling how much clubs are able to actually charge for strikers who have never not yet reached the level or maybe will never get to that level. It's fascinating you mentioned prices, Andrew, because not Newcastle related, but Nottingham Forest are looking to spend at least thirty-five million pounds up front from the last time I heard from the Athletic for Morgan Gibbs White. Now, Morgan Gibbs White has barely kicked a ball in the Premier League. I, I think it could go up to forty-four and a half million pounds. It's just absolutely absurd, in my opinion. There's no doubt he's got talent, but that's just Stafford is full of talent, and Morgan Gibbs White is big on that. That's probably but the only it, Stafford. It's refreshing, though, isn't it? That we're sitting here and we're saying, you know, they're going to spend nearly fifty million on this person who hasn't shown anything in the Premier League, really. 
it's refreshing from a Newcastle point of view that the owners, you know, Steve Nixon, they've stuck to their guns here. It would have been so easy for them just to say, look, here is the checkbook. It's not quite a blank page, but it's nearly. We're going to just go out and sign everyone and anyone that we can get our hands on. But what they've done is they've got a list, they've got a backup, and, you know, they've gone through it. And every player they've gone after will have been scouted heavily. It's worked with Botman. Didn't get him in January. They've got him this time around. Didn't work with a tech year, but they went to get him again. And I really like that because it would have been so easy to do what everybody outside Newcastle expected them to do and just throw money at it, like Nottingham Forest are to a degree. And instead, they've been sensible. And yes, okay, there's a little bit of frustration, but I'd rather be in Newcastle's position now where they're buying three, four, five quality players over two windows instead of just, you know, Nottingham Forest have to stay up. Even before this deal uh, for the for the, the kid from Wolves, they have to stay up for the amount of money they've spent. Whereas Newcastle building slow and steady and I think they've done a remarkable job so far. Yeah, I agree. I do. Um, but do you think maybe this summer's, I say budget, has been a bit impacted because they maybe spent a bit more than they wanted to in January? £25 million for Chris Wood. We, look, we all know he's not worth that, but it, it was worth it in the end because we stayed up and Burnley didn't. So, But do you think that has any sort of bearing on, on this summer's budget? Uh, I'm not going to pretend that I know the insides and outsides of, of the budget, but what I will say about January is that they had to go out and spend. You know, Bruno Gomes came out of nowhere, but what a difference he made. They shored up that defence. Dan Byrne, Kieran Trippi obviously got Matt targeting on. And yes, Chris Wood's not worked out, but you know he did score a couple of uh, important goals and he did do a job when Wilson was out injured in terms of you know dis- disrupting the defence. He's brought a bit of leadership to the to the dressing room and. Yes, okay, they maybe have spent more than they than they wanted, but what they've done is sensibly they've just said, okay, well, if Gummeresh was the plan for the for this summer, we'll just move we'll just move it, you know, ahead, and it worked. And it's a gamble you 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 know you had you had to roll really because Newcastle, if you remember, going into that uh, into twenty twenty two, it was looking absolutely disastrous, knocked out of the the cup by Cambridge. I left that that uh, that left in James Park just thinking. What on earth? How can you go from a, a brilliant performance like, like you did against Manchester United to then that against Cambridge, where they, man for man, deserved to knock Newcastle United out? And I think it was probably a bit of a wake-up call to say, OK, we do need to bring in some uh, some more players. Uh, and and again, though, it showed, it highlighted just how, I think, proactive and sensible the owners were. You know, we saw with the chase for Bottom and didn't work. OK, what's plan B? Right, we'll go and get Dan Byrne. Look how well that worked out. And, you know, these two could be the partnership going forward. Obviously, Fabian Chair's done really well. Um, but look, the budget, I think if the, the right player comes up, they will look to to, to, to get that right player. Um, of course, they've got to spend within their means. And again, we talk about Forrest, we look at Everton. I'm sure, you know, the listeners and viewers, you know, they'd much rather be in the position Newcastle are now. Slow and steady, sensible not like Everton and not like Nottingham Forest where things for Everton aren't looking great and Nottingham Forest, like I say, will have to stay up, in my opinion, this this season to to make sure they don't pay for um, the prices they have uh, splashed on, on their rivals this summer. Yeah, I hope Nottingham Forest and Everton aren't our rivals this, uh, <laughs> this season. I hope it's uh, some other clubs. But in regards to the players that Newcastle are thinking of buying, the name at the minute is João Pedro from Watford. 
And it's been reported in the last hour, a couple of outlets are reporting it. I think even the Chronicle reported it as well, saying that a second bid has been rejected in the last hour of around about £25 million all in. I think that's included in bonuses all in. But it's Watford have been very clear, it's, it seems, around about that £30 million mark. So they're not a million miles away. They're five million mi- miles away, some would say, if you want to be that if you want to be that cheeky. I thought Sam was going to jump in and say it was £5 million away. But... Yeah, um, do you think it's a sensible sign getting Joao Pedro in? Because a lot of Newcastle fans are a bit underwhelmed by this particular player when you've heard of other players like Christian Pulisic, for example, being mentioned as well. Do you think Newcastle fans have got to be careful with the type of player that we think we can attract now and what we can attract in, say, 12, 24 months down the line? Yeah, it goes back to what I was saying earlier in the show. I think we've got to remember where Newcastle United were this time last year. They've now got owners in who are not waiting until the last couple of days to then get the helicopter out and try and persuade someone to magically join Newcastle. If they do not get a striker this uh, this transfer window, it will not be for the one to try. Now, that will be a very small consolation, but at the same time, it's an important one because they have gone out, they've tried to get a striker in, and it's been, you know, it's been... Uh, an approach that they've worked on, you know, they know who they want. They've got a place say plan B, plan C. And yeah, they do need to get someone in, but if not, you can, you, I think, you know, the silver line is okay. We've got owners that have tried and have definitely um, wanted to get someone in. Pedro, look, I I think first and foremost, you've got to see you, you trust Dan Ashworth, you trust Steve Nixon and you trust Eddie Howe. You know, we can sit here and we can say, look, he hasn't scored that many goals. We can, we can go out and slay Chris Wood. But the bottom line is, it's just our opinion. And they're making informed opinions on the training ground, in the boardroom. So that's the first thing I would say is that if you want to place the trust, your trust in someone, then there's, I don't really think you can pick someone better than Dan Ashworth in terms of experience and a track record as well. So that's the first thing I would say. Secondly, it's, look, Pulisic would only be coming to Newcastle because he's failed at Chelsea. You know, I'm not a massive fan of him. Has he got talent? Yes, but... You know, I wasn't, you know, jumping up and down at that name. And I actually did think to myself, would he be the first kind of big star to arrive at Newcastle? The first kind of breaking out of what so far we've seen where they've gone for players who have got a personality, but it's not all about them. You know, Gary Neville says uh, back in the summer about Manchester United, their problems being signing players who think they're bigger than the club. And I was just wondering about Pulisic, whether he would maybe fit into that category where he comes and thinks, oh, you know, I've come from Chelsea, I'm the big boy, I'm dropping down a little bit to get first-team football. So that was my first thought on him. Um, you know, he goes to Manchester United, he goes to Manchester United, says to Chelsea, you know, they will move, you move on and you find other targets. And it goes back to them having contingency plans. And Pedro, some people might be underwhelmed by him, but they've clearly got... Uh, a profile in mind. He's very similar in, in terms of a tech year, you know, a young lad who will have time to develop. And it's interesting. I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, me and John Gibson spoke about this last week on, on, on the podcast, and I think we spoke about it with Aaron as well, is in terms of a striker, how do you sell the move to Newcastle United of your 27, 28, wanting first-team football every week? But you know, if Callum Wilson fit, he's likely to start ahead of you it might be a little bit easier to sell it to someone like Joe Pedro and say, right, you come up with us, you know, we'll help you develop, you're going to get a chance, whereas Pulisic's only going to leave Chelsea for first-team football because he's not getting it necessarily there. So 
it's it's one of those where I think you've got to you've got to look at all elements and you've got to let them all play out. Go on, Sam, I'll let you answer that one. Yeah, I think I think with that though, is like the profile of the strikers we're looking for, as you say, is is young, 2021. 20, They've all been that sort of age. Whereas I think a winger, if they're 26, 27, 28, I, I would understand that more because I think our strength in depth in the wing winger department is well, we're a bit light, aren't we, when you've got to bring on Jacob Murphy off off the bench and you're starting Mickey, who I know Andrew you think's gonna do the business this season, but what's gone before and his form lines suggest that he's he's just not. So although I hope he does, especially on Sunday, the whole Grealish versus Almiron uh is gonna be a nice subplot for, for Sunday's game. But yeah, they all seem to be twenty, twenty one years old who are just gonna uh, the ones that are being linked to, to Newcastle, isn't it? So they can maybe learn from from Callum Wilson and step in when he inevitably gets injured. Yeah, one hundred percent. And again, it just goes back to what I said just moments ago. Just trust the people in charge. Mm. I mean, how nice is it to be able to sit here and say, "Wow, I'm I'm, I'm hopeful that they're going to do the right thing." You know, they, they've shown they can do. I'm hopeful they're going to continue to do so. When you hear them speak about what they want to do. It fills you with confidence. When was the last time, you know, when you, under Mike Ashley, you, you you felt he was going to do not just the bare minimum, but something to take the club forward? So, again, and I guess we're all here for opinions and everybody's got a valid opinion and everyone's got the right to share it. But I would always just go back to Dan Ashworth, Steve Nixon. You know, they know what they're doing. You know, they know, Eddie Howe knows the kind of player he wants. Dan Ashworth knows the contacts. Steve Nixon is a very good scout. And I just say... Just enjoy, just enjoy the fact Newcastle United have competent owners. Just enjoy that moment. Don't be negative. Don't forget all about that. Yes, it, 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 yes, okay, it will be a slight failure if they don't get a strike win. But in this moment, have that trust and just be positive and just just believe in the owners. That's all. I, that's just that's what I would say. The only thing I would add, and I do agree with everything that you said, but in regards to Pulisic. We all know his quality. We all know his quality. Now, if Newcastle are going to get him, if Newcastle try and get him rather than say that they're going to get him because anything could happen in the next couple of weeks, he's obviously going to improve the team straight away. And now everyone's got this fixed idea that Callum Wilson's got to play every game. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. But if you've got competition, even he'll flourish with competition. So if you can bring in a, like a, a Pulisic, for example, to put a little bit less pressure on him but also pressure in a way of competition. Surely would Pulisic play down the middle, though? He could play down the middle, but he could play down the right as well, which is a, it kills two birds with one stone. I, I think he'd play more primarily on the right for Chelsea, but again, it's, an, it's another option, isn't it, really? It is. An, well, you're right in what you say. Competition is, is, is key here. It absolutely is. Um, and yes, you know, he has he is a, he is a talent and... But it's just... I mean, the original question was people feeling you know, underwhelmed by Pedro and, you know, feeling disappointed uh, Pulisic's not going to be at Newcastle potentially. And it's just, just remember where Newcastle were. And yeah, of course he comes in. There's a reason he's been at Chelsea. He's clearly got talent. There's other players at Chelsea as well that I would, I personally would, would like to see Newcastle over him. Conor Gallagher, you know, for one, Hudson Adoy would be another really tasty addition to, to Newcastle. Oh, of course, you can only get, get one. Um, but, Who would you out of those out of those players you mentioned if you could only have one? Is it Conor Gallagher? It if it, in an ideal world, yeah, Conor Gallagher. Uh, 
it would be nice to see Brugia, but he's only going to come for first team football, isn't he? I think for me, we, we can talk about midfield. There's a lot of few people mentioning Paqueta in the comments, and I'm sure Madison will will be mentioned in, in, in due course. But it has to be a striker. If you can only sign one other position this summer, it has to be a striker without without a shadow. It has to be a striker. Um, and and just the fact, like if I sit here and say to you guys, off the top of your head, near me a realistic quality striker that you think Newcastle United can sign, could you? I mean, we, I couldn't name three or four really. I mean, realistic. I'm not talking pie in the sky. You know, realistic that you can you can see coming. Premier League experience and who will be happy to to maybe play a second fiddle to to Callum Wilson. It, it, if we can't name them, then you can see the kind of issues maybe the those at the top of Newcastle are having. Yeah, you know who I want. I've told you before as a, as a striker. But I mean, it, it is quite weird that central midfields all of a sudden seems to be a position where we're trying to strengthen because. You hand Sean Longstaff a new deal. You keep Elliot Anderson around and play him in midfield. And I don't know, it seems a bit of an odd one. The Madison link took me by surprise. And now Conor Gallagher, Conor Gallagher fits the kind of mould of the players they've they've bought previously. English, good age, good attitude about him. That that kind of fits the same mould. But Hudson Odoi is overrated for me. They can keep him. Rubbish, rubbish. It's Madison. You're not a big fan of, isn't it? It's Madison. I, you, you, I don't like Madison. Wise. But I've been watching him recently, ever since Newcastle have been uh, been linked. I've been watching a bit more, and he just does look impressive. I just like the way he gets into the box, and that's something Newcastle are maybe missing from midfield. We know Joe Willie can do it, but he's 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 yet to reach the high, highs of that little uh, loan period that he had. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> um. So Madison will be quality, but midfield wise, I do think they are lacking a bit of bite. Bit of a, a chick Teoti kind of character who will just be nabbing away at those angles, will not be afraid to put a you know big challenge in on you. Kind I've of seen Joe Linton start a fight with everything that moves. Yes, but you know, he's not he's not he's not that defensive midfielder, you know, that you need to break up play that can rattle, that will just rattle uh, uh, um uh, the opposition. Teoti could do that, you know, perfectly well. You know, you think back to maybe the likes of David David Batty or someone like that. You know, oh, yes, please. You know, even Gary Speed could, you know, could be quite tasty when he needed to be. And I just think, while Bruno and Julian have, we've seen they've got this little bit of a nasty streak about them. It's not running through them, and I think that's what Newcastle really do miss. They need someone who just does that dirty work, sticks a leg in, prepared to get hurt break up the play, doesn't do the jazzy stuff and, and largely gets forgotten about as well. A little bit like Isaiah Hayden did. You never saw him grabbing the headlines. But when he was on top form, he did the job that you know that you needed to do to start the counter and, and what have you. And I think that's what Newcastle are missing. Are any of the players who have been linked, does that fill, do they fill the role? I don't think so. But again, if you're asking us to name who does, I'll be honest, I, I couldn't I couldn't pick one out. It's going to be fascinating because there's a few names mentioned. Like, I'm not just picking you out, Sam, but like you're, you're, you're turning your nose away at Madison. No, I'm not turning my nose away. He would undoubtedly improve the squad. He's just not. So, why do you not want him? He's just not my type of player. Yeah, every, everyone has their own little personal like traits that they like in players. He's just not my type of player. He would undoubtedly improve the squad. Of course he would. But he's just not for me. Andrew, would you not want him? 
Sorry, it seems deep, deep rooted this sense of uh, dislike about James Marsden. Did you go for a selfie and he turned you down or something? No, I don't. I've never asked anyone for a selfie. Oh, I, just, I, I just don't see the point <laughs> in them. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I don't know. He would, of course, he would improve the squad. But there's, if he was that good, why hasn't he made the England squad? Because I know for all Gareth Southgate's flaws, I know his attitude and personality play a big part in that. And you would think there's something in that. And I, yeah, and I think that's this kind of culture Eddie Howe's trying to build as well. I don't think you can... The England squad, I mean, Callum Wilson's quality, why hasn't he made it? You know, there's only really one one striker in front of him when you look at it. You know, you could you could say that about a ton of people and we all know it's because Gareth Southgate you know, likes the players that he's worked with before and it's, just, it's really as simple as that. But... Um, yeah, sorry, Johnny. I'll I'll let you uh, you come back in. There. Well, I was just all I was going to say, Andrew, is that you, surely you, you like players that create chances and end up getting loads of assists and you know get a few goals. That's what that's what I'd like from a Newcastle United midfielder, someone that can you know bring assists and goals to the table. I don't know why Sam doesn't, but I would um, prefer Conor Gallagher because that's the right kind of mould, and he would do that too. But would you pay what? 40, 45 million for Conor Gallagher? I probably would, yeah. I probably would. But then again, is it Conor Gallagher or Paqueta? Because Paqueta has been heavily linked. And it have, well, I say heavily linked. I think there's a lot of external media platforms, to put it politely, um, are linking Newcastle with Paqueta. Maybe you can answer the, the, the question, Andrew. Have Newcastle United got an interest in Paqueta, in Paqueta? And will he sign for Newcastle United in the summer or in January? Because he's got a year left on the contract. Arsenal are keen by other reporters as well. Is there anything in it? I, th- I think they like him, but uh, um, as my colleague Lee Ryder wrote the other day, they haven't placed placed a bid for him. You know, they're asking quite a bit of money for him. And I do wonder, you know, this fanfare over Paqueta, how many people, and I'll include myself in this because I have not seen him kick a ball, how many people have actually watched him and seen him and have made an informed decision off constantly watching him? You know, I do think just because he's Bruno's best mate and Maybe some people have seen YouTube clips. And I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound patronising or come across like that at all. But I do think there is a risk of putting them two things together and then getting this big magical outcome when in reality, you know, could he could he cut in the Premier League? He, he probably could. But I, I don't think, I, when I look around and say, oh, why aren't we getting Paqueta? Why aren't we being linked to Paqueta? And, um, but we being linked to Conor Gallagher. Well, I look and say, well, actually, Conor Gallagher has proved himself in the Premier League, you know. James Madison has proved himself in the Premier League. Uh, and I get that people like the thought of having these three Brazilians across the centre and they like the thought of re- reuniting Bruno Gamuresh. But, um, you know, my, you know, I'm not going to recommend my best mate to come and be a journalist next to me because he's a paramedic. So, do you know what I mean? Like, it's... it's... I think it's, it's a bit different from, like, when, like, we signed Colaccini's mate. And we signed St. Maximum's <laughs> mate. You know, I think it's a bit different to that. I mean, Paqueta is a very, a very talented individual. And I'd, I'd rather Paqueta than Madison. But Conor Gallagher would be... But based, but based on what, though? But based on, on, on what? Why you, I mean, you'll probably come back and say that you watch League One, League One every weekend and put me right in my place, Sam. So please feel free. But this is what I mean. Like, why, 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 why are, what are people basing this... this, this I don't want to put him down because he probably is a very good player. And I'm only saying this because I haven't watched him. But I'm just wondering, are we are we in danger of making this love affair up a quitter something it's, it's, it's really not? It's a bit of a gamble, isn't it? 
any signing from abroad is a gamble that's not proven in the in the Premier League, though, isn't it? Any signing is a gamble. Look at um, Darwin Nunes. I would have loved him at Newcastle, but it, all of a sudden it seems like we've dodged a hundred million pound bud, uh, bullet. And and Deli Ali, don't get me started on that. With Paqueta, I mean, I, I, I'm not a religious viewer of Liga, and I watch it when it's on at work. That's about it. But what did you say we need from midfield? Someone to get. Yeah, and that's that. That's what he. That's the boxes he would tick. So, I would soon have him the Madison. But like I say, out of the three, I would probably pick Conor Gallagher because of he would buy into the culture house building. He fits that um, kind of mold that they've signed so far. Um, Youngish English, and you know, seems to have a good head on his shoulders. So that that would be my pick, but. I don't even think midfield's a priority for this window anyway. A wing, a winger, for me, is top priority. A striker, you can get away with it, but only if Wilson stays fit. So I, I don't see the big clamour for a midfielder at all, but you wouldn't say no, would you? No, I think that's probably the point. It's about whether we just accept the journey Newcastle are going to go on. They're just going to add quality and add quality and you might look at the team sheet or the squad list and go, well, actually, we've got four midfielders there, but maybe we just need to accept or, you know, that actually when the right player comes available, they will get that player in and then they'll deal with, you know, putting that person in the jigsaw at a later stage. At least you've got the piece in your hand and, you know, the rest of it hopefully will, you know, come to... I'm all with the metaphors tonight, Anna, will come together at some stage. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry about that. It's the least of the issues when it comes to Newcastle right, right now. Um, I, th- I, th- I do want to touch about uh, that right-hand side a little bit later on because obviously with Miguel Muir and Jack Grealish and Man City game, we can talk about that uh, towards the end. But just a quick little thing on Conor Gallagher. Is he available to buy or just to loan by Chelsea from what you understand, Andrew? Because I think I'd be if I was Chelsea, it'd have to be stupid money to let him go because he is, he is talented. They do though, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not... I'm not um too clued up on, on whether it would be a loan or a, or a permanent transfer. But I think, like you say, if silly money was offered, and it's all about what is silly money, you know, you said that you'd, you'd happily pay 45, 50 million. So is that silly money? Look, it, I think what we're going to see in the last week or so is that's when the loan deals will start to manoeuvre. And that's when everything will start rolling because then it'll go like dominoes, you know, because you don't want to, let Conor Gallagher out now if it's on loan or a Hudson the die if then suddenly someone picks up an injury with three days to go to the transfer window and you're thinking, oh, we're there. You know, maybe we haven't got to bring back clothes or there's not enough time to go out and find a replacement. You know, so I think it'll be the last few days and we'll start, we'll start seeing the dominoes fall across the league really when it comes to, to getting loan players in. I mean, if you're signing someone of Conor Gallagher's nature you would like to think it would be a permanent deal because you don't like i i think it, patrick vieira and crystal palace would be absolutely good not to send them back i mean you know played absolutely superb couldn't play in the final could he because he was a chelsea man and i think that i think that always hurts clearly when the player probably hasn't got a big future at the club he's going back to so i think for me personally it would i would be pushing for a permanent move but again then you ask how much is left in the budget are you going to spend 40 million on him and then risk not getting another striker in because I disagree with you slightly Sam I think a striker for me has to be the priority over the wingers I think you've got enough bodies on both flanks to make it to at least get a January but if Wilson gets injured 
you oh, know, on Sunday, you, you, you've got no one to turn to. Yeah, 100%. No, it is, it is, it is a, a huge priority, yeah. I just mean you just get away with it if Wilson does stay fit, but history has shown us that, unfortunately, he, he just can't. But, I mean, there's, there must be something in a deal with Chelsea because Amanda and Murdad wouldn't be there just for the banter on Sunday, would, would they? They weren't there just to see the punch-up between Tuchel and Conte. But you would think buying Chelsea youngsters isn't always a bad thing. They do tend to let slip some very, very good ones. Obviously, De Bruyne are the most famous, but it's, it's not a bad way to go because they don't tend to to blood their youth players into successful Premier League players. They have to do it elsewhere. Mm, but again, then it goes to, if you're Conor Gallagher and you're looking, he's probably thinking the same as we all are. That midfield is so oversubscribed. Like you say, Bruno Gumrest, Joe Linton, likely to start if fit. Sean Longstaff, new contract. Joe Willick, he's got it. He just needs to find it again. And then mm. Shelby, you know, Eddie Howe's a massive fan. You know, you would think when he's fit and raring to go, whether that be October, November time, he'd probably straight back on the side if, if the others haven't gone up a level. So you then have to you then have to sell it to Conor Gallagher. You know, he's not going to leave Chelsea where he's playing a bench role to then come to Newcastle to play a bench role. So it's again, I would love to be kind of inside the uh, inside the phone calls and the, the messages of how you're persuading a player to come to Newcastle when it is, especially in that midfield, so many bodies about, so many bodies. It's a big debate on the comments over the winger and striker debate between yourself, uh, Sam and Andrew. It's really, really interesting. A lot of people are siding with Sam. A lot of people are siding with Andrew as well. So, yeah, it's, it is fantastic. Make, make sure you get the right. It's a debate. We both pretty much agree that we need to Certainly, certainly, certainly disagree. Certainly disagree. Uh, make sure you give this uh, video a like as well if you're watching on YouTube as well. And keep on keep these comments going. And really, subscribe really to the audio podcast. And go to Andrew's event before the City game on Sunday. Yes, Andrew, actually, can you tell us a little bit about this event that's uh, happening on Sunday before the Man City game? Yeah, so we're going to be at the Tyneside Irish Centre from 12 noon on Sunday. It's going to be myself hosting alongside our Chief Sports Writer, Lee Ryder, and your Castle United editor, Aaron Stokes. John Gibson, of course, a veteran journalist of 82 years young, um, and the Times Henry Winter as well. So we're going to just answer your questions essentially you come along it's free entry we didn't we know times are hard so we didn't really want to charge anyone for coming along we just wanted to give people a really good build up to this this game because we know it's probably going to be a very difficult game to to watch um so we just wanted to give people a bit of a chance to chat in Newcastle United I mean you can see how any comments are flying in here you know everyone wants to talk about this club so yeah yeah come along there's going to be uh you know charity buckets for the Subway Robson Foundation and the Newcastle United fans food bank where you can pop in any loose pennies. And there's going to be raffle as well. A uh, couple of Alan Shearer signed goodies and more flags of kindly donated a prize as well, where they will make a, a miniature version of any display that you've seen at St. James's Park. So um, there's three really good prizes up for grabs and that money will get split uh, between the two charities there. It's just a good chance to come and speak to Newcastle United. Come and see us in person. I know a lot of you guys are probably listening to the podcast or watch us on on Facebook or YouTube, but we always like to see you guys in person. And um, it's just going to be a good, good afternoon. And a big shout out to Big Bill as well. I'm sure many of you, many of your followers know Big Bill Corker, and he's been a real uh, godsend and organising, helping us organise this at the Tyneside Irish Centre. So big shout out to him. And um, yeah, just come come along and talk to Newcastle and help some help raise some really vital funds for uh, two really important Northeast charities. 
Yeah, oh, fantastic stuff. What and better you... way to spend an afternoon before kickoff? And yeah. arguably the best pint of Guinness in Newcastle. Yeah. Well, pubs are available, but yeah, yeah. No, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. And I'm, and you know, the best journalists around. Well, some of the best journalists around. And uh, but but saying that, if you if you are listening to the podcast, this this event was two days ago. So um, we'll pretend something happened, like. Can't believe Gibbo and, and Lee Ryder got into a punch up. Who'd have, who saw that coming? <laughs> it sold out, and it was a wonderful day had by all. The Newcastle went on to thump Man City 4 0, and Almiron got all the goals. Henry Winter was leathered. <laughs> Gibbo won on points. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go. Actually, let's talk about the Man City game. Uh, apologies for our uh, podcast there. Uh, listeners but I think it is important we'll touch on it for the next five minutes so you can tell us if we're right or wrong when you're reviewing this podcast as well uh, but Andrew I really want to get your thoughts on this game against Man City because it is a game that Newcastle probably are expecting not to get anything from this game but when we played Liverpool towards the end of last season it was kind of like well how far away are we from these big teams what can we learn from this game do you feel like it's a similar sort of game against a Manchester City who have started let's be honest Incredibly well, with a win against West Ham, a win against Bournemouth. I know Bournemouth was a lot more easy than the West Ham, but they just look frightening, don't they? It is, and Newcastle are still many, many years away from reaching Man City's height and Liverpool's and, and various other teams. And it's always good, I think, to have that reality check. We got a we got a little bit of it against Brighton, didn't we? When they just they really struggled against what was a very good Brighton side. I, I thought, imagine if they had a goal scorer. Imagine if they had a Callum Wilson, goodness me. But, but anyway, moving on from that. But I do think City, you know, everything about them, you know, you look at the they look at their bench and the options they've got, the, you know, the, the, the squad depth, and you think that is what you want at Newcastle United. You want those options that can, those on the bench can walk into pretty much any other Premier League side. And I do think, though, you, uh, Johnny, you said there, it's probably a game Newcastle United are expecting not to get anything from. But I think the key difference is, whereas under Steve Bruce, you always got the feeling that the week leading up to it was, right, what we'll do is here, we'll try and do a bit of damage limitation before we even kicked off. The press conference were always, they're such a good team and we, you know, we'll see what we can do. But I honestly feel like Eddie Howe has gone in this week, and this is just my view, I don't know that this has happened, but I feel like he's gone in and he's gone, do you know what? You are the best players in this league. You are better than them. Now go out and prove to the world you are. Go out and upset the odds. You know, you can match Harlan Botman, you know, pace for pace. Callum Wilson, you can get the better of Nathan Aki. You can go out and score. Miggy, this is your day. Maybe. But um, the point <laughs> being, I think he just, he just gives off a confidence. And even if he maybe doesn't believe it himself deep down, I think what he does to the players is give them that boost. And even if they get thumped three or four nil on Sunday, you can guarantee... And your listeners will probably listening to this after tell me I was totally wrong, but you can guarantee, in my view, hopefully, that they will have put everything into it, and they were been just being beaten by maybe a silly mistake or a goal of absolute top quality that you just can't do anything about. But their effort and the application will have been spot on because that's what Eddie Howe demands. Each game is a hundred and ten percent, and anything less is not acceptable. So I think. They will start this game on an equal foot and at least on confidence, belief, and the way they're going to apply themselves. And what happens? Man City probably win, but you know they do against more sides. 
in previous years, like you say, there was a case of, oh, Christ, how, how many is it going to be? Can we can we keep the goal difference down? But I don't know, like, I'm, I'm fairly, not pessimistic, but I'd say I was a realist. But this week, I don't know, I think, up for this, we could we could we could do so. And I, and I know we were a bit. I know it was only one nil against Liverpool at the back end of last season, but it was a bit of a a golfing class, wasn't it? A one nil thrashing. But um, I don't know. We've we've done it before with City. I know they used to. We used to struggle to get results against Man City before they got mega rich. But I don't know. I, th- I think there might just be something in the air. Maybe uh, that waft of Guinness from the Irish centre b- beforehand. But I. I, I I don't know why, I've just got a fancy it for some reason. I think we might nick some it. Fingers crossed you're right. Uh, I mean, the big question is, isn't it, whether they go five at the back? I don't know, Johnny, what your your thoughts are. Are they going to go five at the back, do you think? It's a really good question because I, I probably, over the years, I said, yes, we've got to go five at the back because we've got to give, we've kind of got to give teams like Manchester City that respect. But I was... I was debating this. I can't remember who I was debating this with. I might have been Sam. I can't really remember. But Usually is. Probably is. We, we were debating uh, whether to go four or five at the back. And someone that I spoke to said, no, no, let's not change our ways for other teams. We need to go what Eddie Howe believes is the right thing. And you saw against Nottingham Forest, you saw against Brighton, you saw against Liverpool towards the back end of last season. If you look at the, the uh, comparative games with this Manchester City side, he's going to go four at the back. I think the big dilemma for Newcastle is if Matt Target's fit who are the two centre-halves going to be because Sven Botman by all accounts I didn't watch the game live I have to be honest um, due to work commitments but he, by the sound he had a really good game and if you spend that amount of money on a defender like Newcastle have done you would expect him to be starting so who who gets dropped out of those two between Dan Byrne and Fa- Fabian Cher but I would go for the back to answer your question I think it just depends on who that centre-half is going to be that drops out for Botman because I think he's going to be coming back in I, I agree with the sentiment of don't change our ways for, for them. But I think that only applies when you have got a really, really good side. I think here against Man City, like they are, they're so good. And I can see them going five at the back because I think that's probably the only way you try and you try and stop them. Like they are that good. And you don't want to show them too much respect. Like, you know, in previous years, you know, we just kind of laid down and let them run all over it. And I don't know how, like I say, I think everything attitude-wise will be spawned. But I see him going five at the back. And I, and I think, for me, it's then... There's two questions. First off, if he, if he stays four, could you maybe... I'm probably going to get slated for this. Could you maybe play Fabian Shea as that kind of deep-holding oh, midfielder and move no, to Bruno? No, no, and no, 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 no. Because no, I think no, they need no, some protection there. No, no, no. Not no. Really I think Sean the question. Longstaff? <laughs> no. Sean Longstaff instead of Willock, maybe. I'd, I'd make a case of that. To, and, and just to put my two pence worth in, I think we're at home, so I think we stay four at the back. I think if it was at the empty hat, I, I'd, I'd be tempted to go five. <laughs> I really would. But it is a, a a bit of a dilemma who you do drop in the centre back department. But is Sven Botman better than Nathan Ake? I would argue yes. So you're not seeing enough of them, Sam. To be honest, let's be honest. I don't need to. Well, I know, I know, and I, 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 no. From what I have seen of him, obviously paid a lot closer attention to him since January um, than what I had done previously. But the guy is just an absolute Rolls Royce of a centre back. He's like 
10 times Lejeune, who, and I love, Johnny, you know full well how I felt about Florian Lejeune. Yeah, I do. I think I, I, Florian Lejeune was good, maybe a bit overrated in my personal opinion in the in the grand scheme of things when you look at what he did at Newcastle, because I don't think he did that much at Newcastle, but he was a good player while he was there. However... Johnny, are you thick? No, I'm not thick. Um, Andrew, I want to ask you a question in regards to... No, the... we're not just skipping over that. No, we are, we are, because we'll, we'll talk about this another time, because I really want to answer, ask this question to Andrew. If you go five at the back, who do you drop in terms of the midfield and striker options? Because I can't, I can't see Newcastle United going five at the back because we need that. We need those three midfields. With when you look at the likes of De Bruyne, Mares, let's say Foden or Grealish, I think I think Grealish will probably be on the bench if I'm honest. I just think what's the point with having three defenders on Haaland? Yes, Haaland's an unbelievable striker, world class striker, but I think you can still deal with Haaland ish <laughs> with two central defenders because I think you need that extra midfielder in with uh, against his Man City side. We're just on Botman there. I mean, he's going to get a test this Sunday, isn't he? I mean, if he starts, he's likely going to be the man tasked with stopping Haaland. So that's going to be an interesting one to see how that pans out. I would keep the three across midfield, actually. I would keep Longstaff. Oh, I'm sorry, I'd bring Longstaff in and then move Bruno and Julinton slightly forward. And that's why, although it got slated by you two and apparently people in the comments there, you know, I just thought they need, they need that bit of extra protection in that deep line role. I don't think Bruno's looked comfortable over the last two games. I, you know, Shelby's actually been a big a big miss. It, it, it sounds ridiculous to say considering Gimaresh came in as a bit of a deep-lying midfielder, and yet we're saying, well, actually, he's looked a lot better playing slightly forward, hasn't he? So, that's one dilemma. I'd be interested to see how that pans out. And then it's a clear case of whether you drop Miggy or St. Maximin, because I think you would then have to play one of them as a 10, and then obviously one drops out, and I said yesterday on our match preview podcast that what I would ideally like is have Miggy carrying the ball from our box to the halfway line and then in some kind of Doctor Who regeneration malarkey, <laughs> turns and talents at Maxman and he's away into their half. Because I think yeah, I, I think what you're going to have is you're going to have Newcastle have got their backs against the wall and Miggy does a lot of work where he can pick that ball up on the edge of the box and carry it forward. And he does that, he's done that quite a lot and he, he doesn't get the praise for it because it doesn't show up as an assist or what have you. Um, but then obviously when he steps into that attacking half, he seems to lose his legs sometimes and, and, and gives the ball away. Whereas Max is much better at carrying the ball into that opposition half. So it's a difficult one. I think if you start Max, he's part of a, a five, you know, five at the back and what have you going forward, you, you lose a defensive kind of, element but then you would argue well you've got five at the back how many more defenders do you want before you start parking the bus it's it's an interesting one but you know I, I don't know that's why Eddie Howe gets paid the big bucks I guess you, you, you stick with four shove long stuff in midfield you can't drop Miggy for this one I'm not his biggest fan but this is this is the this is the one for him isn't it after them Grealish comments at the, at the back end of last season this at home as well where he's got the home support behind him this is his time to shine if if any so he's got a point to prove it's funny though isn't it I do wonder how many people away from social media actually know about this or care about it I mentioned it we've got another podcast coming out tomorrow with the uh, Man City writer from them again uh, Joe Brin I asked him about this kind of side story and he said, I totally had forgotten about, about it until you mentioned it there. Like the Northwest, they don't see any, you know, 
thing going down. It's it seems to be a bit social media driven, but hey, we love that, don't we? And he's going to get a lovely reception, and you, you do. I am hoping, you know, Miggy can uh, if he does start, puts it through the legs, and you know, shows him uh, a little bit of a reminder that he was a bit disrespectful to him. And what I do love, and you said there, Sam, you're not, you know, you're not Miggy's greatest fan. But we have seen the Newcastle United fan base come out and support, haven't we? It's been quite funny as well, but it's like, you know, hands off our, you know, he's our Miggy. You know, you don't say that about exactly. him. And it's been quite nice to see. It has been very nice to see. Very, very nice to see indeed. Hopefully Miggy does well on Sunday. If you listen to us on uh, on the podcast, he didn't mint. He scored a hat rake, man of the match, and did the alibi all celebration in front of Grealish. It was mint. Um, <laughs> and then talk... revealed a T-shirt saying, I love Florian Lejeune. Exactly, exactly. Who saw that coming? Exactly. Um, Andrew, Eddie Howe. I think you look at the plan that he's had with Newcastle United since he's really come in. It's been very meticulous. It's been very, I think... So we're looking for sensible. I just think everything that he's done has just been very, very sensible. It's been he doesn't do a lot of big quotes. He just does his own thing. I don't want to say he's boring because I don't. I think I think that's probably the wrong word. But it is boring the way he comes across sometimes. You almost want. To, I can imagine it from a reporter side of things. You want a little bit more out of him if you can. Um, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I haven't been in any uh, presses alongside him, so it's just you know what I hear from my colleagues and what I read and what I see on the cameras. But what I do think, you know, he's he's it's clear his focus lies elsewhere than the kind of what he says to to the media. He's very he's very very clever than what he does say to the media. You know, you haven't heard him talk down a single player, have you? Like everybody he talks about is a superstar, and that can only do you the world. Of good of your Jacob Murphy and you're you're sitting there and you're thinking well I'm I'm fourth choice as it is, and they're looking at bringing in another one, mm. and yet you hear the house saying you know he's you know he's he's got potentially he could have a future and it's like that can that's just a massive confidence boost so he's very good in terms of that, um, and I just think I think he knows how big this job is I think he knows how much attention is on it and he knows that as a lot of people expecting him whether he does well or not to not be here in a couple of years time. For what it's worth, I think unless it goes disastrously wrong, I think it'll be here for the long, the long haul. Because I don't know, and again, this is just my opinion. I, I just got this feeling that this isn't going to be run like Man City was, where you know it's a progression to another manager and another manager, and there's you know, or you don't do so well for certain amount of games, you'll get you'll get canned because with every summer the expectation goes up a notch. I just think it's going to be run differently. I can't put my finger on it, but I think it's going to be run differently. You've, you've seen a man of Stavey talk about uh, Eddie Howe was maybe the, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, here for the long run, which can which is a good thing. And I hope I hope he is. I've been mightily impressed with what he's done so far. I mean, to get Newcastle to safety, you know, would have been amazing. But to get them as high up the table as they did, to play the way they do, Joe Linson, Emil Kraft, you know, you look at that Fabian Share. There's just something that his him and his team have done, and everyone's bought into it. You know, you don't hear about any unrest. I mean, Jamal Lascelles, for example, right, captain, and he's not getting game time, but he's he's happy to be part of this squad going forward. He's happy to be the leader away from the you know away from the field because I think he's been there. He's seen what it was like. He can see what what it could be, and 
you know, they all respect Eddie Howe so much that no one's kicking up a fuss, and that's great. And that all comes down to, I think, the kind of man and the kind of manager Eddie Howe is. He just, you know, he treats players with respect. If players are if players are shown the door, it's done the right way. You know, they're, they're told your future's not here. Sorry, you know, but it's just time to go on. Kieran Clark, for example, you know, and how well did he handle it? And I think again, it comes down to you show other people respect, and they'll respect you. And that just seems to run right through Eddie Howe and the culture he's trying to build here. Yeah, spot on. There was there was a lot of players, weren't there, that kind of needed to leave and and that have now. You like you say, your Kieran Clarks, your your Hendricks, your, your Dwight Gales. I wouldn't put Isaac Hayden in that category because he's still a. I would say he'll be back in the Premier League at some point, but you know he doesn't really fit the style of Eddie Howe. But who else can you see sort of go out through the exit door before the end of the window? Because I mean, Kraft signed a new deal, so it looks like I finally won my argument with Johnny that Kraft is better than Mankio. I, I agree. I mean, there was a time when I would when when Trippier got injured. And you go, oh goodness oh. me! Well, it's got to be Man, it's got to be Mankia, it's got to be him from from here. And then picks Kraft, and you're thinking, okay. And it just worked. I, I, the way he finished last season was un- unbelievable, and I'm so happy for him and Joe Linton, and you know, and, and share that it's it, it's working out. And you you, you can see, I, it's actually a little bit disrespectful, actually, when you think about it. You know, he's a Swedish mm. international. Who yeah. are we to question how good he really is? You know, but alas, it's all worked out all right for him. You know. Mankio was poor. He had a bit of interest from Spain, but I think ideally you'd you'd really like to keep him as a third backup. It's just whether he wants to buy into that. Um, but actually, you look around and a few youngsters might go out on loan. You know, I know he's tinted Eliana's and staying, but as as time goes closer, you're not going to give him game time. Then you're going to have to send him out on loan to avoid stunting his development. There's been interest in Lucas De Ball, but again, they've they've, they've knocked back. You know. Um, Approaches for him as my colleague Aaron Stokes wrote. I do see a few youngsters probably going out, but in terms of first team, I look in an ideal world, I don't think you'd want to get rid of Matt Ritchie. I think if Matt Ritchie goes, it'll come from Matt Ritchie wanting to go and get first team football. But I don't think Eddie Howe will push him towards the door because he offers experience and leadership away from the pitch. You know, it sets a standard that I imagine every day in training, like we're talking about Eddie Howe's standards. Well, there's probably no better player than Matt Ritchie to get those standards out of the rest of the players, is there? You know, you hear him shout and scream when he's playing. It's it's, it's fantastic. Fernandez, again, you know, you could probably do with just a bit of backup there. So could he just sit and be a part of the squad without being too fussed about getting games? He's settled in Newcastle as well. He's coming towards the end of his career. Is he really going to push for a move? It might go back to, you know, as we were saying, Johnny with Chelsea, unless stupid money comes in for some of these players, unless someone comes in, Nottingham Forest and says he has 15 million for Matt Ritchie. Fair enough, there you go. We'll, we'll take that. I, I I can't see any first team players in that squad really going out. I mean, Lewis maybe on loan, but again, then who's going to play backup? Exactly. You see what I mean? I, I think they've got rid of everyone that they needed to do. And I think now there's just a, a solid squad there for where Newcastle are aiming for. And for my opinion, that eleventh, twelfth position would 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 do would do me this would do me this season. I know it's not sexy, and I know people will probably be slagging us off in the comments, but I think we just got to be realistic. You know, as we saw against Brighton, there's better teams around Newcastle who are established, and it's going to take a lot to get into that top ten. 
So let's just be happy build the squad and just, you know, let's survive comfortably, good cup run, and then, you know, you just keep on building every season. You're going to slag me off here, aren't you? No, no, because I'd say you were 95% correct but you know top 10 you gotta you gotta aim for progression we gave the league a four-month head start and still finished 11th so a top 10 even if it, even if it is just 10 that to me is progression and it's fine with a nice little cup run as well i don't think 11 12th would be would be a success i think that would be a little bit disappointing but i'm comfortable with 10th and a cup run because as long as we see progression every season We've had this discussion, haven't we? On when you appeared, well, we had it on yours, yeah, but yeah, just come back to us there, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say it's an interesting one because my question was going to be to you, Andrew. Uh, I was going to ask you about maybe a goalkeeper leaving, which we can come back to. But what's more important for Eddie Howe this week, as we as we talk, the game against Man City or that cup game against Tranmere, because. He's he's been on the record to say that he wants to really take the cup seriously. Now I don't think he's going to play Bruno, Maxi, and Callum Wilson against Tramia. I don't. But in terms of the fans, if I was offered one win right now, knowing who we've got, I'd probably take Tramia. Oh, you can't lose to Tramia. You can't. You can't lose to Tramia. You could. Just, it's it's unthinkable, really. I don't, I don't think it was lose to Cambridge, wasn't it? It was, but the club's in a totally different place. And yes, okay, they did really well against Manchester United, but the the club were, you know, it was still a bit of a, a bit of a mess, really, when you think about it. And we knew they needed new players. Whereas here, they've got a good back line, they've got a good spine of a team, and you can't lose to Tramia. And I think he'll play play a, a relatively strong squad. I think if everyone's fit. Then you know you might see Bruno and, and and what have you. I think they've got enough options that yes, you could maybe see him not part of it. But um, I think if you play as Chris Wood, you would then have to change the full formation because you cannot play Chris Wood in that Callum Wilson role. It it baffles me, you know. And again, who am I to question Eddie Howe? But it does baffle me why you know he was he was played for so long in a role that clearly doesn't suit him. But I also think that. If you asked Eddie Howe that question, he would say winning both. You know, the, the standards are set that every game is, is one to win and he will want to win Manchester City. He'll want to win Tramia. He'll want to beat Wolves and and, and, and so on. So that's the refreshing, refreshing thing about it, that if he's got everyone fit and raring to go, I would not be surprised to see a really strong side against Tramia. I mean, you could still turn up at Tranmere with Dubravka in goal, Lascelles, Jamal Lewis, Kraft, Byrne, and you know, in in defence. And if you're gonna, I'm, I'm I'm expecting Chris Wood to play up top against Tranmere, but you could have Fraser and Murphy on the wings who are more crossers than runners, like Almirón and Maxi are. So I mean, that's still a, a a team that's more than capable of getting the job done against bloody Tranmere, in theory. But, but then also, if they've lost against City. And the drawn against Brighton, do you not? There's maybe a case. Momentum's like one of the most important tools in football, isn't it? So, like, do you not maybe play quite a few of them first team for first team names that played against City that would be in your team against Wolves, isn't it? Um, and just get that momentum rolling, get that ball rolling because that's 
you know, half the battle. You know, momentum is so key. There's so many games, though. You've got City, mm. Tramia, Wolves, Liverpool next midweek as well after that. You then got Palace a few days later. It, it, it's, it's, it's relentless, let's be honest, because obviously with that World Cup and the, uh, in the middle of November and December, hopefully England get all the way before Newcastle take on Leicester on Boxing Day, which I know everyone's really looking forward to. It was a way trip to the King Power against Iosie Perez and maybe James Madison. Um, just to wrap things up, Andrew, um, what realistically can you see that Newcastle United can do this season? Do you think 10th is good enough for the Newcastle United fans? Because I'll be honest with you, I've talked to a lot of Newcastle United fans probably two weeks pre-Forest and I've had some people say Newcastle can finish in the top six. I've had some people say they can just finish 10th. Some people say just, just outside Europe. You've seen Man United fall off a cliff in the first two games of the season. Can Newcastle fans be a bit more optimistic? Can they finish in the top six? No, I don't think they can. And I look, what I will say, is if I'm going to speak here as, as a Newcastle fan as well. So again, I, hope, you know, I don't want to cross-condescend. I'm a Newcastle fan first and foremost. What I don't want to see is anyhow have so much pressure put on him that if he finishes 11th or 12th, then we're talking about a new manager in, in the summer because I keep going back to, let's just remember where we were. And Amanda Stavely's come out and said, it's going to be slow and steady. It's not going to be like Manchester City, just you know going out and throwing money at them. There's also a lot of teams, you know, you've got West Ham, you've got Brighton who could quite easily go up a level. I mean, Leicester, okay, have fallen away, but Wolves have, you know, they click together. There's a lot of teams around there will be looking to break into that top 10 and getting in the top 10 would be superb and having a cup run would be great. And I think they will have a good cup run. But at the same time, I think we've just got to be careful about expecting too much because they finished the season so strongly and they did so well beating Arsenal and what have you. That a lot of that was, was again, was that momentum and it was the probably the back end of the spark of the takeover. But now it's settled you know, things maybe aren't as exciting and then things can start to go wrong. And whereas the same things that might go wrong now, if they'd gone wrong March, April time, maybe would have been covered up by the fact it's exciting. We've got owners that want to do things. Yes. Whereas now it's like, you know, you buy a house and suddenly you, you say, all right, I'm going to remove that, that uh, wardrobe for the first time. Oh, wait there. It's got damp down there. I didn't check it. You know, that is, you know, it's another metaphor. Um, But it's (laughs) kind of thing that's just like, just, be, you know, I just, yeah, I just don't want to see anyhow get too much pressure on on him, and then he ends up, you know, getting sacked or certain fans call for him to go, which I don't think will happen. But equally, if we're calling for a top six, top seven finish, and he doesn't achieve that, then that's going to happen, isn't it? People are going to say, well, it's time for him to go. The pundits will come out and all that, and I just think, you know, eleven, twelve, good cup run would do me. Maybe I'm a bit pessimistic, but I think. I would hope it comes across as a bit realistic as well. Let's survive comfortably. Let's have a good cup run. Let's apply every game as if we can win it and put 100% in it. And what will be, will be. And let's just not put too much pressure on Eddie Howe to achieve things, which for a normal club, for, for every other club, and should be for Newcastle, would normally take three or four seasons to get somewhere. Because also, finally, just on that, you don't want to break into that top seven, top six, like Leicester have done, and then suddenly things fall away. You know, you don't want that short burst and then you burn out. I think I'd rather take it slow and steady if it means once we get there, 
we stay there. And for me, that's the key because we want we want to stay at the top end. We don't want to just do it two or three seasons like we did with the entertainers and then under Sir Bobby. We want to be there for the next 30, 40 years, you know, when we're grey and old and we can say, actually, you know, Newcastle are a top Premier League side and they've never slipped away. But maybe I'm just a bit pessimistic. I don't know. Uh, it, it's like a green shoot season, isn't it? It's the, the green shoot to recovery. To see, like, to see where we are before we completely blossom into a, a lovely flower, which you obviously saw whilst we were at the Forest game. Oh, wow. We started and ended with that, right? For yeah. the context for your audience, yes, I wasn't at the Forest game because the missus, uh, her mother-in-law, uh, her mother, my mother-in-law to be, uh, got us tickets to the Lincoln Flower Show. And uh, I didn't know until a couple of days before the Forest game and then I had to miss the Forest game to go and see some flowers in the church. But a lovely buglier, so uh, all was not lost. Yes, Sam has been relentlessly taking the mick out of me for this. Um, I wouldn't say relentless. Well, there was there was a there was a lovely little flower joke you did send us on the morning of, which I applauded. Yes, so we not did. Yeah, I did do that. Yeah, yeah, I did. But the very fact you spelled you spelt a flower out, and I had no idea what it meant or what it was, means that you probably are a bit more up on your garden than I am, and you would have enjoyed the show a lot more. <laughs> I thought one of these was going to say Nottingham Florist or something because of the way oh, it was. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I was on my own on that one. Uh, Andrew, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Green and Mullins show for the second time. We'll get you that hatchet ball sooner rather than later. Uh, but yeah, it's been brilliant having you on. I think it obviously gives a really good insight into all things Newcastle United as well. And um, again, Make sure you give a listen to the Everything Is Black and White podcast with Andrew and John Gibson as well. It's really, really uh, and and magic. other guests, other guests appear as well. I know, I know. Oh, yeah, you pointed at me first. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to get Johnny on next. You, you, you've, uh, you've. Uh, Johnny, did he tell you that I we got a I got a lovely review on Apple Podcast, which I'm 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 ninety percent sure was Sam under another name, but it yeah. praised Sam's appearance on the podcast. Really? Yeah, he said, I Sam's really mother is guess. a lovely woman, by the way. <laughs> uh, anyway, join us next week. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, where can everybody listen to this podcast? Links in the description. New episode out every Tuesday. And next week is going to be a cracker. Oh, believe me, next week is going to be absolutely unbelievable. Get in the comments who you think next week's guest is going to be. It's nearly as good as Andrew Musgrove. That's how good it's going to be. But I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Give us a like if you've been watching on YouTube and give us some fantastic reviews on wherever you listen to your podcast. So from myself, Jonathan Greenwood, Sam Mullen, and our guest tonight, Andrew Musgrove. We'll see you all very soon. Newcastle Fans TV. The Greenwood and Mulliner Show is proudly sponsored by Casa San Lorenzo Gosforth, the best Italian cuisine in the northeast. Reserve a table today on 0191213 0399 or visit casasanlorenzo.co.uk.